I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse, and you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Let's do this. Buyer personas are super important when it comes to content creation. I don't think people realize how important it is. This can really help you focus in on maybe one of your larger personas and get a higher convert rate for them to buy your product or your service. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation, episode 61. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We'd love to know what you think. We definitely would. For today's episode, we're chatting about why your content needs to be specific for each offer, service, or product. Mm-hmm. But before we go any further, Jesse, what are you drinking today? So I'm actually enjoying some Harpoon IPA, which I'm not drinking any at the moment, but I'm going to be breaking into it later tonight. I, uh, you know, I always like to go with like the boxed wine or an actual cocktail, but um, I do like beer. And usually I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm a beer snob, but I definitely, I do like beer. I do. Um, but I don't like light beer. I don't like like Miller's light or Bud Light. Like I just can't, I have to have like an IPA or Mm -hmm. something with a little bit of flavor and more hops. (laughs) Okay. All right. I see that. I see that. You know, it's, it's like, I don't really like cheap wine. I like Mm. good stuff. Good mm. stuff, but you yeah. know, unfortunately, I don't usually get the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can always like it, right? The fact that you actually may like um, it may not mean that you like. Actually I'm get definitely it. a Vivco kind of girl, and mm. on like you know, boxed wine taste, which I know you love boxed wine, so I I'm do. not really, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, box champagne, probably not the best. Yeah, I feel like that would be hard to to do actually because of like the carbonation like can you even do that yeah, do would... they have well that's something we'll have to find out mm-hmm. then all right if anybody knows of a boxed champagne please get back to us mm-hmm. we would love to hear it well yeah. now that we have our important business out of the way let's get into our discussion with our guest julia magicolo all right today we have julia magicolo on the show and she is the owner and founder of be chic events an event and lifestyle company specializing in bringing amazing experience right to the comfort of people's homes prior to launching be chic events julia has been working in corporate marketing and events she has helped companies identify their target audience and how to best tailor content to that audience with the idea that for every service or offering there's a different audience or niche audience you can pull to boost your sales. And today she's going to talk to us about why your content needs to be specific for each offer, service, or product. Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We're really excited to have you on. Now, first off, before we get into our our the real meat of our show, this is cocktails and content creation. So we must start off with what are you drinking? Yes, I am drinking a coffee this morning. However, my Drink of choice is always an espresso martini. So if it wasn't 11 a.m., that would be what drink I would have in front of me. (laughs) That sounds fantastic. My husband actually just had a drink. I think we were up in New Hampshire for a day trip and he had this drink. It was called the White Mountain Russian which Ooh. was, it, and it had espresso and whatever else is in like a white Russian, but it had espresso in it too. And it was fantastic. It is amazing. My fiance, he, during COVID, we tried to make an espresso martini for every holiday. So we 
we did a good job. We did a good job, but it is definitely my favorite drink. I love it. I love it. Now so, you have me really craving that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Kate's like, hmm, how late can I have espresso? Today? And five o'clock like somewhere. Kill myself. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, I gave a gave an intro to our audience, but why don't you go ahead and just in your own words, tell us about your journey and what it is that you do. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I recently launched Fichic Events, which is my my own events company. And I've been doing it for a while, actually, during COVID because people couldn't go out to restaurants and weren't celebrating the way that they typically were. So I got this idea of maybe if I could decorate my own home as crazy as I do, maybe I could do this for other people. And that's kind of how the, the Be Chic journey started. So people ate that up. I did, I decorated the lawns. If you remember during COVID, they had the people do the parades for people's birthdays and you decorated your lawn with these awesome signs. So I started doing stuff like that. And, and now that COVID's kind of coming to the, to the end, people are asking me to do real full on events for them. So I decided to launch Be Chic. So that is my journey with that. I think for my corporate side, I majored in marketing at Merrimack College. I got my master's degree there and I was kind of looking for something to take my love for creative writing and content creating and that business entrepreneurship side and put them together. And that's how I ended up in marketing. So I was newbie, just started my first job and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but then I actually got into this whole buyer persona exercise with my company. And I was like, Hey, this is actually really, really cool. And I'm able to use both of my skills that I love and enjoy and put them together. And then that's kind of how my journey in the corporate world and helping companies find their buyer personas started. First off, I would be remiss if I didn't say a shout out to Merrimack because both my mom, actually, I didn't say both my mom, my godparents, my sister's godfather, and my husband graduated from Merrimack College. So it is a great school. And yes. um, so I'm very, even though I didn't go there, I almost feel like yes. I'm an honorary Merrimack graduate just because I know so many people from there. It's such a, it's, it's a wonderful school to go to. Um, yeah. So this show is all about content creation. We've had many people talk about audience personas, as you were mentioning, and the idea that your content needs to be centered around that persona. But can we back that up? And can you give us a high level definition of what an audience or a buyer persona is to really, so we can really get into it? Yeah, of course. So a buyer persona is basically a fake character that you create to help you better understand what customer you're selling to. So the whole idea behind these buyer personas is to get into the headspace of the customer and then also understand their journey. Because I think a lot of people know who they're trying to target and they know who they're trying to get to buy their product or their service but they miss that gap between knowing who you're trying to target and then understanding their buyer journey because there are some things that you can put into a buyer persona, which I'm sure we'll get into that kind of help you better understand maybe pricing and if you are advertising in the right places. So it's really, really to have you focus and narrow in on who that person is and how to get to them the best and not use all your resources at once and kind of spread it out throughout their journey that they're going to do to buy your product and your service. 
And I've heard of it as also like a lot of people sometimes immediately think of like demographic information, which it can be, but it's really about getting in that headspace. It's less about maybe like demographics is great for like ad targeting, but you know, cause you have to put in those like criteria, but it's, you know, it's really about like understanding what motivates them. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like you said, everyone knows like, okay, I want to target females and males between the ages of 25 and 30, but that's really just who that person is. But if you get into the buyer persona side, you key in onto one person. So, okay. Who's Julia, the 26 year old from Boston and and what's her income? What's her job? How can you use those to get her to buy your product? So that's really getting into the the mind of the person rather than just who they are on paper. Awesome. So, okay. So now we, we kind of have a, have a baseline. So why, you know, now we, we know who that is, but let's dive into why it's so important when we're creating actual content. I know we just touched upon, like, it's great to, to understand who they are so that we can, you know, sell to them better, but how can we leverage that? And when we're actually creating this content? Yeah. Buyer personas are super important when it comes to content creation. I don't think people realize how important it is when it comes to creating content, especially if you're a smaller business or if you are not that big of a team and you really don't have a lot of time to focus in on every single person that you're trying to target. This can really help you focus in on maybe one of your larger personas and get a higher convert rate for them to buy your product or your service. So if you can fully understand who you're trying to to come in front of, you can create that content a lot easier. People always come to me and they're like, well, if we're so specific, it's going to be really, really hard for us to create content. And I always use this example because I think this is a great example to kind of understand why that's a false narrative that people think. Um, So for me, I'm going to use myself as an example. I have buyer personas that I created for Be Chic events. So one of mine is Maggie the mom. Um, So she's a full-time mom. She has kids. And when she does have free time, she loves working with activities with her, her kids. And she loves maybe going out and doing activities. She has the income to spend on extra activities because she's a full-time employee. So we're going to say she's making around 90,000 a year and she has a couple of kids. So she definitely has some fluctuate income that she can spend on one of my services. So I have an event coming up. So St. Patrick's Day is the next holiday that's coming up that I'm going to target in on. I create a blog post that's super general that just has five activities that you can do with your kids this St. Patrick's Day. Maggie, the mom, the buyer persona that I created, finds this blog. She reads it. She thinks it's really cool. She sees some things in there that she might want to do with her kids, but she's still not fully sold. She heads over to my Instagram she sees that there is a video of me doing one of these activities I listed in the in the blogs. She loves it. Now she comes to me and asks me what the pricing is, when I can do it, when can I come to her house and maybe put this on for her and her kids. So just from understanding fully that I was trying to get in front of that mom that has a full-time job and she wants to do something for St. Patrick's Day, I just converted that into a sale. So Imagine how many Maggie the moms are out there though for you and your company. And then you end up converting maybe five or six people just from that blog post that they found online, or maybe you shared it somewhere and they came across it and now you have a sale. So people are like, oh, wow. So I didn't do anything specifically 
to create that content, I created content based off of that buyer persona. And it didn't really take me a lot of time because I do blog posts already. So that's why it is super important to understand buyer personas when it comes to creating that content. Now, I, like I am Maggie, the mom. I get that. I get that a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, this isn't a question we specifically asked, but, you know, we, I've heard the saying that you must see something like seven times before you commit to buying. So, I mean, you kind of like touched upon that, like maybe she like sees your blog post or, you know, then she goes to your Instagram. Like, do you think there would be like a few other steps? Like had she, maybe she was following you for a little bit longer. And then like uh, the, you know, that's how she was like, oh, there's a new blog post. Cause you put it out there, but I've got this new blog post. Is that, do you have anything to say about the whole like seven times thing? Yeah. The seven times thing is definitely something as a marketing professional, you hear a lot. I think another misconception with the seven times thing is that it has to be seven different things. It does not have to be seven different things, just needs to be seen seven different ways or seven different places. So with that one, I'll use that one as an example, since we're just coming straight off of it, I will post in different mom groups. The odds that Maggie, the mom is in more than one of those groups is pretty high. So the, so let's say I posted in three different moms of Andover, moms of Littleton Facebook groups. And she's in a couple of those or or moms that love activities with their kids. She sees it three times there. That's three times that she's seen that blog post. Now she's going to come to my profile. That's the fourth touch. And she's like, wow, she actually has all this really cool stuff. And then maybe I serve an ad to her as that fifth and sixth touch. So now I know that she's what her age is because I know her buyer persona. I know what area she's in. And I know if she's on Facebook or if she's on Instagram, I can kind of tell because of the buyer persona. So then I hit her six, seven times there, but I didn't create any new content really. I really am just using that blog post as my big meat of content and then breaking it up into digestible pieces and serving it another five or six times to the same person. So I think that's like another big thing with buyer personas that I try to help corporates understand that if you can spend a ton of time on this big meat of content and then pull chunks out of it and utilize it that way, you're going to get those buyer personas to engage in that content a lot more too. So that's a really another important part of the buyer persona and the buyer journey there. I think that's, that's an interesting piece that you just shared with us because we've heard about creating one big piece of content and then pulling from that and sharing it. But it's been more about um, just being able to create more content from one piece, not necessarily, you know. So they see it that multiple times. Yeah, so they see it that multiple times. That's a smart smart way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've heard before. Have we? Have we, Jesse? I I mean, I've heard of the seven things, but I guess I never really thought that like, that doesn't mean that you have to, like they have to see seven different types of content from you. And in fact, sometimes just like, you know, and and it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, when I scroll on Instagram or Facebook, like I'll see like the same ad multiple times. And I have to admit, sometimes I have purchased things because I see it multiple times and it may take a while. Like maybe I'm seeing it over a period of three months, six yeah. months, or it could even be a year, um, but I'm seeing it multiple times. So that's really interesting that you said that. Now, one question I have, so, okay, so, you know, like Maggie, Maggie, the mom, right, is, is you know, one of your audience personas, um, but let's say you're, you know, you have another audience persona that's maybe like, you know, the young couple that likes to, maybe it's the, the, 
Melissa, the, the millennial that wants to entertain. And she's more about, you know, bringing friends and, you know, having those fun things to do on the weekends with her friends. Um, you know, how do we start to think about these multiple personas? Like, I, I don't know, like, I guess for me, I have my photography business. I know who like my ideal client is, my persona is, but if you're a business that has multiple offers and multiple clientele, like it seems like really daunting to like figure out messaging for Maggie, the mom, and then Melissa, the millennial, because you're going to probably have a different tone of voice. You're probably going to have like, you know, Melissa, the millennial is not going to be interested in kids activities for a blog. So then you got to create a different blog post that might attract Melissa, the millennial. So how do we overcome the idea if we do have multiple personas, like any tips in organizing or simplifying, or how do we deal with that? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's definitely everyone's first question when it comes to the buyer persona, because everyone obviously wants to sell to everybody and wants everybody to buy their product and their service, which is awesome. But when it comes to the buyer personas, because it is such a happy, heavy lifting project, I always say, start small. Don't do seven or eight, because you'll be very, very overwhelmed if you have seven or eight and you're trying to get all this data and you're researching and you're trying to figure out how to target them and who they are. So when I started Be Chic, I started with two. And it's so funny that you brought up millennial, the millennials as one, because that's my other buyer persona. So I have the the moms, which because I think my when it comes to my business and my branding, I'm really keying in on taking the stressors out of your party planning. So I'm not the gourmet event company that's going to come in and put on this million dollar event. I'm the events company that's going to come in and put on something affordable for you. And maybe you want to do some of the planning as well, which is great because that's where I come in. So for the millennial side of that, for my buyer persona, I was like, okay, what's the next holiday that's coming up? It was Valentine's day. How can I create a big meat of content like we were just talking about and hit the moms and hit a millennial who maybe wants to have a Valentine's day party, or maybe wants to have a romantic dinner with her, her boyfriend or someone who's special. So what I ended up doing, and because of my buyer personas, and because I understood each of them very, very thoroughly, I did one Valentine's day package and I did add-ons. So the add-ons are where I really keyed into the buyer persona. So the package was just this general decorating package and it came with a balloon arch and some decorations that a family could also have and a millennial could have. So anyone can buy that package where I really keyed into the buyer personas were those add-ons. And those were where I was making more money too on top of it. Those had more return on investment for my business. So I had an activity. So if you were a family, I did um, chocolate heart tic-tac-toe and I could set that up for you. And it was Valentine's Day theme. But then if you were on the millennial side, you want to do a Valentine's Day party, I had an activity for you as well. So now they're coming to the site. I've got them to the site and now they see that there are things that I offer for them specifically. And then they buy those and they buy more of those. So I offered four or five. And I think on average, I booked about three or four parties and people bought two add-ons because I had the the persona so mapped out. They were like, yep, I want that for the millennial. As we all know, I, I think I am a millennial, but I, I forget, but everyone, all the millennials, like the Instagram worthy events and the Instagram picture. So for them, the add-on package was a Valentine's day photo booth that I set up. 
And I, I sold so many of those. So it's, it's like really understanding that that's what they want. And that's why they're going to spend that money on. And then the mom is going to spend it on, on the kids, not herself. She's going to spend it on getting that activity. So I think when it comes to the buyer personas, you have to break it down into very simple ways that you don't get overwhelmed and then you're able to utilize it effectively there. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. I really like yeah. the the way you were able to like have the core offer be like reach both of those because I think with both personas they have some of the same like motivations or challenges, mm-hmm. right? But then like what's going to actually like help them overcome that is needs to be like really specific. And that's how you did that with your add-ons. What do you say for those? I mean, there's so many people out there where, you know, it's like, I feel like my Instagram feed is bombarded with like marketing this and business that and buy this and do this and you should be doing this and do that. Um, What do you say about the whole, like maybe like one persona and like really getting you know, specific. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get really nervous about that because they feel like they're going to lose out on yeah, other like opportunities. Clients on the table that they could have had, but like I see it with photographers all the time. Like even I was guilty of that. I I was like a family photographer and a wedding photographer and a dog photographer, and I just did it all. And in that sense, I was speaking to everybody, but also speaking to no one. And so, you know is there a limit? Like, do you, should you limit yourself or, you know, what are your thoughts on just really getting specific with like one persona? For buyer personas, my rule of thumb is only include data and points that are going to help your business. So for B chic events, I'm an events company. I'm, I don't care about what you do for a full-time job. I do care if you have a full-time job. So I'm not going to get granular, like I'm only going to target people who are CEOs and, and are VPs. So you don't need that information. If you're a small business like you and, and myself, you really just have to decide what factors are important to you and your branding. So for the photography too, if you're a wedding photographer, what is important to you when it comes to finding your ideal client? Is it the wedding date? Is it their budget? And then prioritizing from there. So for B Chic Events, I'm looking, I'm actually looking for moms who are full-time employees or have a part-time job. I I don't want to focus in too much on a mom that is a stay-at-home mom because she has the time a little more time to put into an event and a birthday party. And I'm probably not going to get a big return on my investment for advertising to that person. However, I probably am going to get a big return on my investment advertising to the full-time mom. So that's what's important to me as a, as a B-Sheet company. So I would say for anyone who's trying to come with a buyer persona or come up with a buyer persona, it's very, very important to maybe before you even start writing out a buyer persona, write down what you think is important for you for your company and for your branding, and then use those themes that you wrote down to continue through maybe creating your, your buyer persona. It makes a lot of sense. I think, um, I think for, for, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, I really target female entrepreneurs that are really looking to scale their business. They've been in business for a little while. They're not just necessarily starting out. I mean, they could be starting out, but most of the time they're, they've been in business and they're realizing like, okay, now I I'm ready to like level up. I've kind of like made it work now. And now I'm looking to level up, but I don't necessarily say like, I'm only working with like coaches or I'm only working with, you know, dietitians or whatever. It's really about 
where they are in their own entrepreneur journey. And that's like the common factor between like all of my, my clients. So rather than like, I guess, like you said, like honing in on like the CEO, that's, you know, the, the full-time mom, that's a CEO. It doesn't matter if she's a CEO. It's the fact that she's a full-time mom and the challenges that come along with just being a full-time working like mom. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the other part of why buyer personas are so helpful is because like you just mentioned, she's full, she's a full-time employee. So what are her struggles as a full-time employee? Not as a mom, not as a, just someone who works at a, at a big corporation, but she's a full-time employee. So what challenges is she having because she's a full-time employee that I can't help solve as B chic events? So how can I figure out? So she, we know a full-time employee works 40 hours a week. How can I help her scale that 40 hours a week and, and make sure that my messaging is really tailored that this is how much time I can save you as B-Chic events. And then that's how you kind of can rope that buyer persona in because she sees you online saying, oh, well, I can do this all in 10 hours. And to someone who works full-time, they're like, I don't even have that 10 hours. So yep, we'll hire you because you can do that for me. And it's a good cost because you researched your costs and you made sure that she can afford you. So that's why it's so important to have that buyer persona. Mm, I love that. Now, I, go ahead, Kate. So when you, you were saying that, you know, you start off with like a blog post and you know, the mom's reading the blog post and then you go over to Instagram and you create the video. This is like all the back, way back at the beginning of our show. Um, how much time do you take figuring out, you know, where these clients, these personas are hanging out and, and how do you leverage those platforms to your best ability? Yeah. So luckily we live in the age of social media, which is amazing because these this is the other part of a buyer persona. We can figure out what communities they probably belong to, right? So Maggie, the full-time mom is probably in some mom group. So let's hop on Facebook. Let's do some research. Let's see which moms have, or mom groups on Facebook have the most members. So that's kind of where I started for that, to use that as an example. I, I knew that my buyer persona was going to be in one, maybe two of these groups. And I started writing down which towns have the biggest group, what towns allow you to advertise in them, what towns maybe have a paid advertising and how much does that cost? And then trying to scale it back from, from that. So I would say for time-wise, I probably spent about an hour trying to figure out which where I was going to put the content, where my buyer persona really lived. And then from there... I got more ideas. So I requested to be into in this mom group and it's actually doubled for me because it's kind of worked as market research because moms post in there what struggles they're having right now. And if they're looking for a company to help them with a birthday idea, or if this is even a thing, someone was in one of the groups and asked if someone made custom t-shirts for birthdays. And there was about 50 comments that were like, no, but if anyone does this, please share your info. I did because I make custom t-shirts as part of an add-on for my birthday packages for moms. And I, from that one service, have booked three clients from just posting in that group and saying, hi, I'm Julia. I'm of B-Chic Events. I create custom t-shirts and I booked two other t-shirt custom orders. And then I booked another two birthday parties just from that. So that's really resonates with how important a buyer persona could be. Because if I didn't know that the mom, the full-time mom was the one that I was targeting, I probably never would have been in this group because I don't have kids. So I probably never would have been in this mom group. I never would have even known it existed. I wouldn't have known that they were having all these struggles and they were looking for someone to do something like that. Um, so I think that's where it really comes 
into play and, and how successful a buyer persona can be for you and your company. I think that's so important to think about because so many people, they'll be just like, I'm going to offer this service. And they don't think about the problem that they're actually solving. They just like, I want it. I just want to do this. They don't, they don't think about that. And I think if you do think about that problem, if you do look at the problem and then kind of create your services from there, which is essentially what you're doing, you're, you're definitely going to hit those pain points for those clients. And then they're going to be like, Oh my goodness, somebody who takes care of everything that I need. So it's a good point. Where did you come up with the name? Just a little off topic. So it's funny. Me and my mom actually own this company together. My mom has kind of just been in the background helping me a little while I do the full launch, but we were talking about doing some sort of events company. We've been talking about it for a a really long time and we're obsessed with butterflies. So we originally were going to go with the butterfly, like the social butterfly theme for the company. We did some research. We found it was taken like a thousand bajillion companies out there (laughs) use the social butterfly. It's a smart idea, but yeah. Yeah. So, and I was like, oh man, my dreams crashed in front of me. And I was like, that's okay. I took it as an opportunity because I definitely wanted to be unique. And I think this comes into play when you have a buyer persona as well, because you want to make sure you're really thinking about that, where your customers are searching for you. I knew my customers were probably going to search for me on Google. So I started plugging in different words. I definitely wanted to keep on maybe the butterfly theme, if I could, ended up figuring out that the B maybe would work a little better. And then I searched B chic events and zero results came up and that was the winner. So we filed the name and now I own it. And here we are. I love it. It's such a, it's such a great idea and a very, very attractive website. I'm actually on there right now. It's adorable. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love, I love using the, um, the B as, as our staple and and our branding. Cause I think the color yellow, actually, I did a lot of research with colors too. So I, I do this in corporate too. I help companies identify colors that their buyer personas like and enjoy and universally the color yellow makes everyone happy and, and stimulates the brain to send dopamine to your brain. So that's why I stuck with that yellow as the really defining color there. Um, cause it, it really, so well with the yeah. So it all, it is all about my, everything I do is about a buyer persona. People are like, no, no way that everything you do is. And I start talking about it and they're like, okay, I need a buyer persona now. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's really, um, really when you think about it, most people, most people don't, most people don't think about their, I would say most people I know didn't really think about their buyer persona when they first started their business. I didn't, I, I was like, "Hmm, let me just shoot, photograph, whatever I I want. And I just, I just want to like make money, like no big deal. But as I, as I like realized what I wanted to do and how can I attract more of what I want to do, I really sort of somehow well, I did a lot of research, a lot of Googling on marketing and just the people that I've come across with had to hone in on, you know, the buyer persona and what does that mean and messaging and marketing and all the things. Um, but I wanted to ask if there was any other examples you wanted to share of, you know, success stories, whether it's, you know, your some personal offers that you've done or any in your corporate world experience where, you know, really honing in on the, the buyer persona has like had a great ROI or success story from that perspective. Yeah, for sure. So I will use corporate in this example, 
prefacing that the budget for this company for the marketing department was $65 billion. So please do not take this and, and think that you're going to be able to have this <laughs> high ROI because they were throwing millions and billions of dollars into marketing. So, That's so crazy. It is, yeah, it is. It is crazy, but it is a great example to use because it's really where I focused in on understanding a buyer persona and how much it can help with your ROI. I worked out of um, school, I went back to Merrimack College, actually, and I worked in their marketing department. And because they were higher ed and, and they weren't big, big corporate, they were trying to figure out how I could use the buyer persona idea to get them some more applications. So they were running numbers based off of applications. So that's the nonprofit one. They don't have that big of a marketing budget. I come in from a, the, the company that's spending $60 billion on marketing to kind of help bridge the gap. So at the $60 billion, million, dajillion dollars in marketing company, they basically said, whatever buyer persona you think will work, go ahead, run it. We don't really care. We don't care if them we lose money. We, we don't care. We just need to try something. So they were a medical device company. Woohoo, super fancy. <laughs> Was one of the most boring jobs that I have had, but that's it. Okay, because it really helped me understand this. They had tons of medical devices that they sold, and each one did a different thing, and each one was for a different person. So, as far as they were concerned, that was the only person they were selling to, and there was no one else that they could sell each of these products to. However, that was false because they had a meter that basically measured some sort of lactate in, I'm not even going to try to describe the science behind this because I'm in marketing, but I will do my best. It measured the lactate in a person. And apparently that's very important in sports. So that is where a buyer persona came in. I created a buyer persona based on the sports person who would maybe use this device it opened up a whole nother market for this company. And they ended up going to sports trade shows that year. They sold out of the meter at the sports trade shows and they ended up making more money at the sports side of the product than the what the product was actually designed to be targeted for. So that is an example there for that one. So they got a, they opened up a whole nother segment at their at their company. Now I take this information, I head over to back to my home, Merrimack College, and I'm like, how am I going to use this budget that is not as big? And how am I going to do something as cool and amazing as that? And I wrote down, I basically wrote down the struggles that a college, a person looking at colleges is having. And that was my buyer persona. COVID hits and I bring back my buyer persona. And I, we were able to go over our, our target number for applicants that year, because we were so committed to what the problems were. And we understood what the problems were and we were able to amplify that. And a lot of colleges did it. So then we got up the numbers with applicants that year, and it was all based on a buyer persona. So two different, completely companies, two different, completely budgets, same idea about how a buyer persona can really help you tap into what your customer is thinking and how it can really be helpful for you and return your, your ROI back. Mm, I love that. So how can mm. someone start to think about like, okay, so like, let's say they don't have the budget to hire a marketing expert um, and they want to do this exercise on, on their own. And I know this wasn't really a question we asked, but like, where would you start? 
Yeah, definitely. So HubSpot actually offers a free template for people. You just give your email, you sign up for the newsletter, but they actually offer a free buyer persona template that will help you kind of decide what you're going to start looking at. And it's super helpful because there are different ones in there. They have examples of ones that they've put together and, and they're a marketing company. So you need to keep that in mind when you download it though. They're really targeting marketing professionals and people who are in bigger corporate settings. However, if you don't know how to start, it is a great template to start with and then kind of create your own and take some of the fields that they show you and and maybe utilize that in your own. So that is where I would start for sure. And then I think from there, like we talked about, just keeping it simple, not trying to create eight or nine, try to create one or two and really, really focus on the one and the two and get your one and two buyer personas down. And then once you feel like you're a hundred percent good with your two buyer personas, then start adding in a third or a fourth. I would say that's the best advice. I think a lot of, like you said in the beginning of the show, a lot of people want to sell to everybody and anybody, and they want to just make money. They don't understand the the details and all how much that can really help you keep it focused. So really just want to keep it nice and, and focused and be confident in your buyer personas. Mm. If someone has already started a company and they didn't necessarily take this into account, is it too late or or could like, could a company go kind of backtrack in their marketing and say, okay, we need to find out who our, our buyer personas are. Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are the people who come to me the most at corporate. They're established companies and they have been doing marketing for years and years and years. And they thought that it was going great. And now they're hitting a point where it's maybe stagnant or it's not doing well. It's a great, great opportunity for you to maybe see if it's because you don't really understand your customer or your buyer. So never too late to go back. I always encourage people too with the buyer personas to reevaluate them every year because things change. And COVID mm-hmm. is a great example of why we constantly need to be keeping on our buyer personas and our content because COVID changed the way that people buy and how they think. And there's stuff like that happening all the time. So you really want to make sure that you maybe you're going to make it and you're going to spend a lot of time and it's going to be a little painful when you have to go back maybe a year later and change a lot of the stuff, but it's really going to help you target customers and customers who are going to buy from you. So that's the important part of the buyer persona. Mm, it's like, I love my that. Mind, that was going to be my next question. Like, do they evolve? So yeah, yeah that's, that's a good thing to think, to think about. Cause I think we all, we get stuck in what we're focused on and then we don't take that time to reevaluate. So Go persona <laughs> refresh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, let's face it. We've all been spending a lot more times on our couch time on our couches and, and you know, it's like how do we appeal stuff. to people that are just hermits these days? Yeah, yeah. Most of us are. Most of us are. Well, Julia, this has been fantastic. Where can people learn more about you be chic events as well as everything that you do? Yeah. So B Chic Events is on social media. It's just at B B E E Chic Events. You can follow me online. I run tons of stuff on there for events and, and fun activities that you can do. I also have my website, www.bchicevents.com. You can get in touch with me. And I do help with buyer personas for small businesses on the side. I don't ever have anything official, but if you do want to get in contact with me, you could contact me through Instagram at Julia Maggiacomo, and I would be more than helpful, happy to help you get your buyer personas down and and get you some new customers. Mm, I love That's that. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to add Julia Maggiacomo as your Instagram to our list on everything will yes. be available for people to click on on the show notes. So make sure to check that out. 
Yeah. Thank you so much. This has really been fantastic. I think our audience is going to take a lot from this conversation and the way we broke it down and it makes a lot of sense. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me guys. So I love how she broke down um, the personas with the actual examples, like Maggie, the mom, because I feel like it sort of grounds you in understanding like this, like really large and somewhat abstract concept, but really understanding Mm -hmm. like who Maggie is, not necessarily that she may be like a mom in her thirties, but like what is motivating her to work with someone like B. Sheik events, the fact that she's a full-time mom and doesn't have the time to do it the fact that she rather just like outsource it she wants to do something fun but just really doesn't want to like take it all on herself so I thought that that was really great that she was able to break it down into some real examples for us you know and I think we always we've talked about this before about getting super specific and how people can be so afraid that they're leaving some kind of there's something they're leaving something on the table by niching down and getting super specific. But she made a great case for the fact of, you know, if you don't niche down, if you don't figure out who exactly needs your services, you may not be you're not going to be found by the people who actually do need those services because you're thinking too broadly. You may be mm-hmm. putting out too much out there. I also loved her point about the, you know, creating one big chunk of content, which again is something we have talked about on the show, taking a piece of content nice and big and then like pulling pieces of it. But I never thought about it in the way that she was talking about it, which is like what you mentioned, the seven, the seven, whatever that's called. The yeah. Seven, the marketing, marketing um, theory where you need to see, see something seven times. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think she brought up some really good points into the idea of niching down. I think you know, so many times we hear that you need to niche down. And and I think what what was interesting was that when you find commonalities maybe between two different people, but you're serving the same pain point, but then targeting it in a way that still really appeals to them. I love the example where, where she had like, you know, Maggie, the mom, but then she has the millennial and she was able to create an offer that appealed to both of them without having to duplicate efforts. It's like she had her core package, Mm -hmm. but then had the add-on that appealed to, um, to that particular person. I could easily, and we didn't talk about this, but I could easily see that translating to businesses and service providers that have like a high, low and mid ticket offers where the core problem is being solved, but you know, they may like, the low ticket offer because they're more likely to just DIY versus like they want the one-on-one touch. So I think, I think we can think Mm -hmm. about how we are creating our offers too and tailoring them towards that audience persona. No, I, I, you know, that's something that is a very good point. No, I kind of wish we'd talked to her about that, but that's okay. Maybe we'll we'll have her on again. Yeah. Well, and after we get off of her, off with her, we found out that she basically does everything under the sun with, with fitness and Girl Scout troops and all that kind of stuff. She's very active in our community. It sounds like very active. And then having this event, which, which I think lends well to her event service, you know, Mm -hmm. because now she being that active, I think that's another way that you can actually, um, reach people with your service. Oh, Hey, yeah, I do this, you know, which mm-hmm. is something we, we haven't necessarily, um, visited. And I, you know, I think that with the pandemic, it's kind of that in-person networking without even thinking of it as networking, just being social or volunteering is, is can be a really big draw, mm-hmm. um, for clients. So that's another thing we might want to consider. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook community, Cocktails and Content Creation community, and leave us a comment about what you'd like us to talk about. You can also email us at cocktailsandcontentcreation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me for some motherhood, fashion, and travel inspo at, at fashionablykateandco. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Or if you're a photographer looking to get into brand photography, I'm at the Brand Photographer Method. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creation.